Very good morning, Sid Valley and the wonderful world beyond. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Mod Slot on Sid Valley Radio. I'm Adrian Brown, and this is my very own house band, Booker T and the MGs, with their massive 1962 hit and signature tune, Green Onions. Do you know something? I've really missed you. Days is too long, girl, without you, baby. Come on back to me. 
seven days really is too long. The mysterious Chuck Wood kicking things off for us with Northern Soul favourite Seven Days Too Long. I say mysterious because, as you probably know by now, I like to do my detective work. But frankly, trying to find any info on Chuck, aside that he was born in Tyler, Texas, dates of birth unknown, has left me as stupefied as Dr. Watson. Anyway, um, before we move on and I'll tell you what's on today's show, I'm sorry to start the day on a, a sombre note but I'm sure you're all as shocked and saddened as I am uh, by the passing of Steve Wright on Monday at the age of 69. Um, in a career that spanned almost half a century Steve became a legend on both BBC Radio's 1 and 2 I mean he was easily the funniest and most highly original DJ since his mentor um, Kenny Everett. But more than that, he was that rarity, a radio presenter who made listeners feel that he was there just for them, or at the very least, that they were honoured members of his personal private club. I don't need to go over his stellar career, it's been very well documented this week, but on a personal note, I would say the Steve Wright in the Afternoon show was a joyous fixture in my life from the mid-80s through to the early 90s. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but driven by his um, engaging personality and his refreshing and then novel zoo format, um, from 2 o'clock to 5 every weekday, he and his team at the Posse would give us three hours of end-of-term jollity and a balmy army of lunatic careers, including Mr Angry from Purley, Sid the Manager... Diamond Geezer and my personal favourite, the utterly surreal Mr Spoons. And like other epoch-making shows such as The Goons, that was the week that was a Monty Python in the early days, we'd talk about it at work during the week and in pubs at the weekend and we'd all do or try to do the silly voices. Um, it seemed like it was all completely spontaneous and off the cuff, but it wasn't. Steve was the consummate professional and every bit of every show was meticulously planned and choreographed and that he convinced us otherwise, that was his genius. Over the past few days, heartfelt and genuine tributes have been paid by a host of colleagues to Steve and it's quite clear he was much loved by his peers but I think the quote that best sums him up came from his own mouth when on his final Radio 2 show uh, in, in 2022 he summed up his winning formula with typical candour and modesty um, saying, I've tried on this programme to bring just a little bit of light relief a good genuine atmosphere, uplifting tunes good conversation and a little bit of satire. I've tried to make the show unique and just be good company, and I can only hope we've done that some of the time. Well, you certainly did, Steve, and more than that, you've been and continue to be an inspiration and a model for those of us who presume to dabble in your craft. Much miss Steve Wright. Okay, enough waffle. Uh, what do you have for us this morning? I hear you grasp, gripping your breakfast tables with anticipation. Well, I have the finest sounds available to humanity in the shape of some sensational soul and scar. Our jazz one is just too cool for school. This week's threesome has given over to arguably one of the most gifted and creative musicians of the late 70s and 80s. We're going to have a brace of brassy funk tracks from the Barkeys. The current Mrs Brown's Housewife's Choice is also from the 80s and features a really lovely track from a band who sadly not only, only enjoyed fleeting success and holding it together, we're going to have a nice punch-up. No, not the current Mrs B and I. Now, if you happen to look at my Facebook page or that the studio, you will notice that I, I put up um, photographs of the Beatles, Stones, Cream and Pink Floyd 
and we're going to have a bit of a bit of a ding dong between from 10 top British bands from the 60s. Five of them will be laying down some blues and five will be taking us down the flowery path of psychedelia. So let's get straight into that now and it's Spencer Davis group blues up first. I'm a man. kick things off spencer davis group of i'm a man co-written by steve winwood and record producer jimmy miller reached number nine in the uk singles charts and number 10 in the states last single um for um spencer davis group before stevie and his brother muff who was named after muff in the mule before you come to any other conclusions uh they left the band to go off and uh, pursue their own separate careers um i don't know about you but I don't normally associate the state of Alabama with field sports. But in 1967, my favourite male soul singer, Clarence Carter, was certainly riding to hounds. And just listen to what he says about his attire. Tally-ho! 
this brand new pinstripe suit of clothes, big wide polka dot tie, <laughs> cufflinks big as jaybird eggs, listen to this, shoes made out of alligator hide, go set something else here, I'm ripe and ready and hot to trot, and you can get in the little thing I got. Simply magnificent Clarence Carter looking for Fox. Now, all right, you can call me old-fashioned, but aren't you supposed to be wearing hunting pink breeches, top boots, and a funny hat if you're in pursuit of the uneatable? And there he was, in his own words, decked out in a brand-new pinstripe suit, a big, wide polka-dot tie, cufflinks as big as jaybird eggs, and shoes made out of alligator hide. I just shudder to think what the South Devon hunt would have made of him. Okay, so we've had our first blues track. It's now it's Psychedelia's turn. Really, it has to be the Floyd. Emily tries but misunderstands. She's often inclined to borrow somebody's dreams till tomorrow. There is no other day. Let's try it another way. You'll lose your mind and play. Brigades play. See Emily play. Emily cries Gazing through trees in sorrow Hardly a sound till tomorrow There is no Emily, Emily, 
Pink Floyd's second single, uh, See Emily Play, released on the 16th of June 1967 on Columbia. Uh, written by Sid Barrett, of course, it hit number six on the UK charts um, on the 26th of July of that year. And just to show that we were well in the summer of love, All You Need Is Love was at number one, of course. Scott McKenzie's San Francisco was at number three. And Progal Harms, A Whiter Shade of Pale was at number seven. Um, Floyd played the uh, Pink Floyd played the song three times on top of the pops, where um, an increasing uh, Sid Barrett started showing increasing signs of erratic behaviour, which would um, lead to him leaving the group in 1968, and his old Cambridge schoolmate um, Dave Gilmore replacing him. Barrett claimed to have seen the eponymous Emily in woods near Cambridge while sleeping off the effects of taking a certain mind-expanding substance. And I was mighty surprised to learn that Sid Barrett had ever taken drugs. Bit of irony there. Um, According to some sources, Emily is the Honourable Emily Young, internationally famous sculptor sculptor and daughter of Wayland Young, second Baron of Kennet, a niece of the ornithologist and Loch Ness monster apologist Sir Peter Scott. However... Barrett's then-girlfriend, Libby Girlsden, disputes this theory. She says that she and Sid had discussed marriage and that Emily was going to be the name of their first child. Um, answers on a postcard, please. Um, a very good morning to John Shepherd and Elaine. I hope you're having a, a lovely day. And, uh, yeah, this one is just for you. Formed in 1964, the Barclays were an American soul R&B and funk group originally formed in as a session outfit for Stax Records. And in 1967, they were chosen by none other than the great Otis Redding as his backing group. This is their first single, Soul Finger, uh, released on Stax, Vault Records label on the April of 14th, uh, 67. Nice geek fact for you. I love it. I really love this one. Uh, the chorus on this absolutely knockout party track comes courtesy of a bunch of neighbourhood children who had been loitering outside the studio. They were pulled into the studio... Instructed to shout, Soul Finger! At various points throughout the song, and they were paid with Coca-Cola. Can't say fairer than that.
There you go, the Barcase with Soulfinger, lovely stuff. Um, such a superb and happy track, deserves a happy ending to the story, but unfortunately the band were on the flight on the 10th of December 1967, which um, crashed into Lake Monoma in Wisconsin, uh, killing Otis Redding and four members of the band. Only trumpeter Ben Corley survived the, the crash, and he and bassist James Alexander, who was on a different flight, rebuilt the group and they enjoyed a highly successful career, uh, both continuing as the backing group for a considerable number of major Stax artists, including they did a lot of work with Isaac Hayes and uh, as a group in their own right. Back to Britain and uh, British Blues, and here's an absolutely knockout number written and originally released by the legendary electric blues guitarist T-Bone Walker in 1947. Um, Walker was not only a consummate musician, he was something as, also something as a showman, and as part of his performance, uh, certainly in the early days, he was given to playing the guitar behind his head while doing the splits. Um, and children, I certainly would, wouldn't recommend that you try that at home. Um, this is Stormy Monday Blues, sometimes called Call It Stormy Monday, and it's the song that inspired B.B. King to take up the electric guitar. And uh, so you can guess it's something pretty special. It certainly is, and it's in the hands of one of my favourite 60s bands. And Neil Brown, you know precisely what I'm talking about. Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad They call it Stormy Monday Well, well, but Tuesday's just as bad
send her back to me. Stormy Monday Blues, Manfred Mann, the great Manfreds, uh, taken from their second British and fourth American studio album, Man Made, uh, released in October 1965 on his master's voice in the UK and in November that year on Ascot Records in the States. It was the group's final uh, recording project with original members Mike Vickers and uh, Paul Jones and as well as their last to be recorded at Abbey Road Studios London, uh, the famous Abbey Road, before they switched to Fontana Records. Um, a very good morning to my good friends, um, Catherine and Sandy, and um, Sandy's just messaged me to say, great start, and I thought he was talking about the radio show, but he's then put uh, 29 for four, which I, I presume is, is England's batting performance in India in the second innings. Righty-ho, time for this first of this week's threesome. And as promised, we're going to be looking at one of the most creative and gifted um, homegrown talents of the late 70s and, and 80s. He released his 20th album last year. I'm talking about David Ian Jackson, um, born in Burton-upon-Trent on the 11th of August 1954 and better known to you and me as Joe Jackson, so named because of his marked similarity to Cherry and Sylvia Anderson's TV puppet character, Joe 90, or the poor chap. Here he is with his first single, the wry, poignant and very witty, Is She Really Going Out With Him? Enjoy. Pretty women out walking with gorillas down my street. Staring while my coffee goes cold Look over there, there There's a lady that I used to know She's married now or engaged or something So I'm told Is she really going Tonight's the night when I go to all the parties down my street I wash my hair and I kid myself I look real smooth Look over there, there, here comes Jeannie with her new boyfriend They say the looks don't count for much, so there goes your proof Is she really going out with him? Is she really gonna take him home tonight? Is she really going out with him? Now take my eyes, don't deceive me There's something going wrong around here Around here 
Joe Jackson, Is She Really Going Out With Him? It was released in September 78. And then again in May 79, uh, after it had been included as the third track on his debut album, Look Sharp. Had he been born 10 years earlier, I have not the slightest doubt that he would have been a very, very sharp mod. Let's have a bit of Scar.
Laurel Aitken with Voodoo Woman, um, one of the pioneers of Jamaican ska music, often referred to as the Godfather Soldier from 1966. Great track, absolutely great track. Right, next up, our second foray into 1960s British um, psychedelia, and we are we are talking blue chip here. Um, somewhat shamefacedly, and you may have heard me say this before, um, the first single I bought was the theme tune from Zorba the Greek, and um, in my defence, I was only seven at the time. Um, but I like to think, however, that my first album shows um, my musical taste a bit more of a mature and better light. The album was released in 1966, but I didn't get around to buying it as a gruesome adolescent until 1973. Um, Hand on Heart, um, this album is simply magnificent. Uh, it's uh, the Beatles' Revolver. Um, which, frankly for me, is the best pop rock album ever made. And let's start a little argument now. I'd like to hear from you with your views. Um, it really blew my mind when I first heard it around a mate's house. And I'll, uh, the guy was Ian, and um, I'll, you'll be hearing more about Ian and his influence on me ne next week. Um, played it around Ian's house, and it led me to... Um, Get on the bus and uh, go to WH Smith's in Romford and hand over uh, my, my, my pocket money. It's, uh, it's a George Harrison track. Uh, he'd already given us a, a taste of the sitar on John Lennon's Norwegian Wood on the previous album, Rubber Soul. Um, and, and this is Love You Too, T-O. It marked his first foray into um, Hindustani classical music as a composer. And he drew heavily on the work of master sitarist Ravi Shankar, who became his friend and tutor shortly after recording was completed. Harrison employed um, Indian musicians for the track. Uh, John Paul and Ringo more or less, less sidelined. It was the first conscious attempt in pop to embrace a non-Western form of music in structure and instrumentation. And for me, well, as you can guess, it's an absolute winner and I could go on and on and on forever, but I won't. I'll spare you that. I'll stop now and I'll spend the next two minutes and 59 seconds in quiet contemplation and I'd urge you to do the same. Thank <laughs> you. 
Hello, it's Harry J All-Stars with Liquidator, and if you don't yet know, this is the jolly number that introduces the current Mrs. Brown's weekly pick, aka the Housewife's Choice. As ever, Caroline's picked a winner, but this week she's gone from a band from the 80s that between 1983 and 87 only released two albums and eight singles, and perhaps didn't garner the rewards they, they deserved. I'm going to play the second single which reached number 12 on 5th of August 1984 on the UK charts. We had Frankie Goes to Hollywood with True Tribes, George Michael at number 2 with Careless Whisper and Prince at number 5 with When Doves Cry. And they were pretty, pretty good company, weren't they? This is The Kane Gang.
lovely County Durham's very own Kane Gang there with an, the archetypal 1980s club classic, uh, the closest thing to heaven. We are going back to 1960s British blues, and we're going to have a track written by Willie Dixon, which was first recorded in 1961 by Howling Wolf. Um, there is some contention as to the meaning of the lyrics with more simple souls um, claiming it is simply about a farmyard and the more cynical among us um, claiming that the theme is a little more adult, shall we say. What do you think? I am the little red rooster Too late to crow for day The little red rooster, too lazy to crow for day. Keep everything in the farmyard upset in every way. Dogs begin to bark, hounds begin to howl. Dogs begin to bark, hounds begin to howl. Watch out, strange camp people. Little red roosters on the prowl. If you see my little red rooster, please drive him home. If you see my little red rooster, Stone's Little Red Rooster, released on the 13th of November, uh, 64 on Decca, and uh, it was their second number one after it's all over now, and it's the first blues song to top the uh, UK charts. 
Brian Jones' favourite Stone track, and uh, it was his lead guitar and uh, harmonica that gave the track its earthy appeal. Indeed, um, Bill Wyman, uh, the quiet one, referred to it in his 1990 chronicle of the band Stone Alone that it was one of um, Brian Jones' finest hours, and who are we to disagree? We are now going to have a track written and produced by those Motown megaliths, Holland, Dozier and Holland. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas with Jimmy Mack from 1967. It's the sort of song that makes you feel like saying, we are not worthy. It's just that good. That good. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Time for the second of our Joe Jackson threesome. Um, Stepping Out was originally included on his 1982 studio album, Night and Day, which, as the title suggests, was manifestly... um, 
a tribute to Cole Porter and more indirectly to the Big Apple, where Jackson would move um, a couple of years later. It reached the top five in both the UK and the States, uh, Jackson's only studio album to do so. Uh, it would earn him two Grammy nominations for Record of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Performance Male, and it's certified gold on both sides of the pond. Stepping out.
Lovely, Joe Jackson stepping out. Um, a very good morning to Carly and Misha. Um, hope you're having a great Sunday. Uh, Carly has just messaged me to say, when I was playing that Joe Jackson um, track, the single word tune. And uh, yeah, absolutely. What a tune. Uh, imagine we're having a game of tennis and uh, Psychedelia playing uh, the blues and Psychedelia's turn now to play a sublime floating lob shot deep into Blues Court. Mind you, if it was Wimbledon, it have to be Wimbledon Centre Court so they could close the roof. Woke up one morning half asleep With all my blankets in a heap And yellow roses scattered all around The time was still approaching With Flowers in the Rain, uh, released or recorded on 6th of July 1967 and released in August that year. Reached number two on the chart, uh, written by Roy Wood and vocals there, Carl Wayne of War of the World's Fame. Now, I have a, uh, a talking point for you, which will be followed by a nice bit of trivia. Uh, talking point, it's generally held that Flowers in the Rain was the first record to be played on Radio 1 when the station was launched on the 30th of September 1967. But if we're going to be pedantic, and I am, uh, we and you'd say no change there then, we'd have to say that it was the third, because George Martin's instrumental theme one especially commissioned as the opening and closing tracks for Radios 1 and 2, was the first. And second, 
was Jazzman Johnny Dankworth's uh, Beef Eaters, which was Tony Blackburn's theme tune at the time. Uh, so if nothing else, that will provide you with the opportunity to cause mayhem at a pub quiz of your choosing at some time in the future. Um, and here's the bit, lovely bit of trivia for you. A guy called Tony Secuda, who was the band's manager, and he was a bit of a Jack the Lad, frankly. He thought it would be a good move no pun intended, um, to distribute a postcard as promotional stunt for the record. And this took the form of a cartoon depicting a naked Harold Wilson, then Prime Minister, in bed with his secretary, uh, Marcia Williams. Wilson didn't find this at all amusing um, and sued. And the High Court ordered that all royalties from the song were donated to charities of Wilson's choice. And even though Wilson died in 1995, this legal arrangement remains in force to the, to this day. And it's thought to have cost the group uh, a good seven-figure sum in royalties over the years. Needless to say, the move didn't find Secuda's stunt particularly amusing either, and they sacked him shortly after the court ruling. So there you go. Watch what you do with your postcards. Um, mutualistic symbiosis between humans. Discuss. Well... I'm talking about a close and prolonged relationship where each party or parties benefits from the other. So from a musical standpoint, I suppose we could look at relationships rather like those between Lester Young and Billie Holiday, Bacharach and Dionne Warwick, or definitely George Martin and the Beatles as good examples. However, our next two tracks are so close they even share band names and song titles. And here to kick things off is Cecil Bustamante. Campbell. Madness, madness, they call it madness. Madness, madness, they call it madness. It's plain. Madness, I call it gladness. 
I know I'm filled with gladness It's gonna be rougher It's gonna be tougher And I won't be the one Who's gonna suffer There you go, Scar, Rocksteady and Reggae legend Prince Buster with the crowd pleaser Madness released in the UK on the Blue Beat label in 1963. Uh, no prizes for guessing what's coming next. Buster, he sold the heat With a Rocksteady beat Erupting, but not in Orange Street. A ghost dance is preparing. You got to help us with your feet. If you're not in a mood to dance, step back, grab yourself a seat. This may not be uptown Jamaica, but we promise you a treat. I bust the foamy over with your bogus stairs. Shuffle me up my feet. Even if I kept on running, I'd never get to Orange Street. So I'll say there's nothing left to say. For the man who set the beat So I'll leave it up to you out there To get him back on his feet I bust up on me over with your bogus days Shuffle me up my feet Even if I kept on running I'd never get to Orange Street
Yeah, Madness with the Prince. Their first single, a tribute to the mighty Prince Buster, uh, written by their very, very talented saxophonist uh, Lee Thompson, released on two-tone records on 10th of August 1979. Spent a total of 11 weeks on the chart, and it only got as high as number 16. But as we know, bigger things were on the way for the Nutty Boys. It's blues time again, uh, the fourth of our big British blues tracks, uh, written by Walter Vinson and uh, Laurie Chatman, and first recorded and released by them as part of the singing group The Mississippi Shakes in 1930. This is truly one of the big hitters in any self-respecting blues artist repertoire, and over the years it's been covered by such luminaries and of the calibre of Howlin' Wolf, Ray Charles, Bob Dylan... Willie Nelson and B.B. King. Uh, But the version I'm going to play today is courtesy of one of the seminal British rock bands of the later half of the 1960s, uh, Cream. Um, To be fair, they could have slotted just as easily into the psychedelic half of the draw, Um, but this track just knocks my socks off.
Yeah, Cream sitting on top of the world, taken from their 1968 um, album Wheels of Fire. Don't really need to say this, but I'll say this anyway. Jack Bruce on bass and vocals, Ginger Baker on drums, and Eric Clapton giving it large on lead guitar. Uh, it's time for our weekly jazz one now, and this is probably my favourite part of the show. Um, I know I talk a lot about my stepfather, Dennis, uh, being a bloke who really got me interested in jazz, and the more I think about it, the, the more I think what, how, just how great his influence was on me musically. Um, he got me interested in jazz, and once hooked, and I suppose I'd been about 15, 16 years old, I just couldn't get enough, and I started buying jazz albums for him as birthday and Christmas presents, which was pretty neat work on my part, because it meant I got to, to listen to them as well. However, our next track uh, comes from an album he already owned, and it was, you know, back in the 50s, he'd, he'd had this since the 50s. It's called Jazz Composers Workshop, and basically it's a group of uh, disparate session musicians, basically, led by the powerhouse double bass maestro, Charlie Mingus. And the music on the 10 tracks is so free-flowing, I, I can never be quite sure if it was written down or wholly um, improvised, but it's as cool as cl- and as clean uh, as the River Sid when it hasn't been raided for a few days. And in my more fanciful moments, of which I have several, I like to think it's the sort of thing that Johann Sebastian Bach might have liked to get his teeth stuck into if he'd been around for another couple of hundred years. Charlie Mingus, Smog L.A. <laughs> Thank you. 
Charlie Mendes and the Jazz Composers Workshop with uh, Wally Cirillo, who's the pianist who wrote that, uh, Smog LA. Terrific stuff. Uh, it is time for the last of our weekly threesome featuring Joe Jackson. And uh, the his- history of popular music, let's say, is littered with songs about boys trying to persuade their girlfriends to take that irrevocable final step in their in their physical relationship. But think of Small Faces, All or Nothing, Rolling Stones, Let's Spend the Night Together, Beatles, Please Please Me, and any number of Prince tracks that I really can't mention on this show. Um, our final Joe Jackson number uh, tackles the same question, but this time the roles are reserved or even reversed. Show. 
show tracks and what a stonking track that is. Um, it's a bit of a sweet and wry take on that ages old thorny problem. Uh, re- released on the A&M um, album uh, label. Chart performance hit number five on the 2nd of February 1980. Uh, Jackson's highest ever chart placing. Uh, like the Who, he never had a number one, which is, seems criminally wrong somehow um back to psychedelia our penultimate psychedelic track uh this was recorded on the 3rd of may 1965 and released on 30th of july of that year uh ray davies penned see my friends it made number 10 for kinks in the august charts on august 11th and many pundits see it together with the yardbirds heartful of soul as the first western rock song to use elements of indian raga music and it was released four months before the beatles norwegian wood and uh which was the first western rock track to employ a sitar see my friends wonderful kinks there with see my friends and it's probably fair to say 
that the track went down better with the Kinks peers than with the buying public. Uh, Pete Townsend admitted to copying it when The Who recorded their track The Goods Gone later in 1965. And Paul McCartney and um, Mick Jagger, Knights both, were also highly vocal in their appreciation of the song. Uh, in fact, Dave Davies uh, recalled meeting McCartney in London's uh, Scotch of St James nightclub and McCartney saying, you B-words, how dare you? I should have made that record, only he said it in a, a Liverpudlian accent. Um, it's time from our weekly track from the band who are worthy successes to the kinks yep blur i'm going to play uh, a number from their fourth and one of my favorite albums the great escape which was released on the 11th of september 1995 on both the food and virgin record labels and this is the album that contained the tr- single remember country house that beat oasis's role with it to the number one spot on the uk charts uh, during the so-called and frankly ludicrous um, battle of Britpop. The album received a big thumbs up from critics on release and reached number one in the UK albums chart. It's gone pretty uh, triple platinum in the UK in less than a year. The band themselves didn't think quite so much of it. They, they thought it was quite a low neck I, I, I don't agree. Here are the excellent fellows, Damon Albarn on vocals, the mighty Graham Coxon on lead guitar, Alex James on bass and Dave Roundtree on drums with the opening track uh, from that album. Here's a spoiler alert. Those of you of a nervous disposition might want to look away as the uh, protagonists of this song have last passed the point, uh, long, long since passed the point that Joe Jackson was singing about in It's Different for Girls. Stereotypes 
clever, clever boys. Blur there with Stereotypes, released on 12th of February 1996 as the third single from The Great Escape, and it made it to number seven in the UK charts. Um, I promised you two Bar K's tracks. This is the second. Um, this is the B-side to Soul Finger, uh, and it's written, Surprise, Surprise, by Steve Cropper and uh, Booker T. Jones. This is the exceptionally tasty Knucklehead. stuff the barcase there in knucklehead um our final blues track this morning comes courtesy of john mail and the blues breakers and they were probably the preeminent english blues rock outfit in the early 60s and led by um singer songwriter and multi-instrumentalist john mail they never produced a chart hit but their greatest legacy is probably as the nursery school uh, for British rock and blues musicians. Um, and many of the best known bands who um, come out of Britain in the 1960s and 70s had members, alumni, that came through the Blues Breakers at one time or another. Undoubtedly, the most famous of these is Eric Clapton, who um, joined in April 1965, just a few months after the release of um, their first album. He, he toddled away from the Yardbirds um, in order to concentrate on the blues. And here he is concentrating very hard on the blues on Mail's I'm Your Witch Doctor, produced, produced by Jimmy Page and released on the immediate label on the 22nd of October, 65. John Mail on keyboard and vocals. John McVie, later of um, Fleetwood Mac on bass. Huey Flint on drums. And the man who became known as God in the mid-60s, 
on lead guitar. I'm your witch doctor, got the evil eye, got the power of the devil, I'm the conjured guy. up against that river track from the Yardbirds uh, giving us our final uh, taste of psychedelia for this week um, feedback laden guitar solo courtesy of Jeff Beck who'd replaced Eric Clapton as lead guitarist and um, anti-war pro-environmental lyrics right on baby several music writers have identified it as the first popular psychedelic rock song but I do think that particular honour goes to the Kink See My Friends, which we heard a little earlier. No matter. It's a really great and neatly packaged track has, and is well received on both sides of the pond when released in 1966. Number three in the UK and number 11 in the States. Shapes of Things. Trees are almost green, but the rays 
Let's have a bit of Georgie fame. Lovely Georgie fame there from 1966 was so long. Uh, we are running out of time, unfortunately. Uh, there's a guy I haven't played yet on this show, which I'm going to do now. Um, American blues and jazz uh, songwriter, singer and pianist, Mose Allison. I haven't got time to give him a big biography uh, today. I will honour that uh, in shows to come, but he was a really big um, influence on Georgie fame. Here we go. Mose Allison, Seventh Son. Yeah. 
Everybody's talking about the silver sun in the whole round world. There's only one, only one. Yes, I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call the silver sun. I can tell your future, it will come to pass. I can do things for you, make your heart feel glad. Look in the sky, predict the rain. I can tell when a woman's got another man. I'm the one. Yes, I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one. The one they call themselves son. Sound so sweet, they will even make your little heart skip a beat. I can heal the sick, raise the dead, and make the little girls talk out of their head. I'm the one, yes, I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call themselves. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call themselves. There you go, Mose Allison, Seventh Son. Great track. We'll be playing a lot more of Mose. Uh, just about time to hear from Aunt Nelly. No, not not a member of my extended family, but a really good band from Northamptonshire of the same name.
Never a truer word said, Chris. You know what's coming next, folks. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm coming home now, right away. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm sorry now I ever went away. Every night and day I go and stay. I'm coming home, baby. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting for you. I'm coming home now real soon. You've been gone. Coming home, baby, now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm coming home, I know I'm overdue. Well, there we go, hard on the heels of Chris Farlow. Tempest, Fugit and all that. Or in other words, another two hours have passed all too quickly and the last grains of sand are falling into the bottom of the hourglass. And to send us on our way is the magnificent Mr Mel Torme. I hope you enjoyed this morning as much as I have and I'll be mightily indebted to you if you come back again next Sunday when I'll be looking at the year that opened up a whole new musical vista for me and the people who informed and who influenced my musical tastes. For now, I will paraphrase the bard and say... Goodbye, goodbye. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodbye till it be next Sunday morrow. 
And there's profanity for you. It's time for me to climb down from the balcony and toddle off home to the ancestral pile, where the current Mrs Brown, Monty the Supercat, and several glasses of something flavoured with juniper berries await. Until next time, have a sublime Sunday, a marvellous Monday to Saturday, and keep the faith in, in a safe place. Terms and conditions apply. Gavin Stewart up next, and I'm coming home, baby. I'm coming home, baby, now. They can't hold me back now, no more. I'm pressing on, baby, now. And pacing up and down the floor. Oh, hear me holler and hear me roll. That's what I say, I say I'm coming home Something's wrong The road is long, baby, now What to me the right of phone? I'm coming home and never more to go Baby, tell me you Baby, I'm for sure coming home